Happy Wednesday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're just two days away from the start of bowl season, and in today's episode, we'll preview the Lending Tree Bowl. The Lending Tree Bowl president, Jerry Silverstein, stopped by to talk about the bowl's history and its economic and community impact leading into this matchup. This matchup, Caden, will feature Southern Miss taking on the Rice Owls in a little Sunbelt Conference versus Conference USA battle. Caden, we have a six-win Southern Miss side and a five-win Rice squad. What has you most excited about this matchup? Yeah, I think when you look at all of the bowl matchups we have and that we're previewing Noah with all these Sunbelt teams that are being featured, this is one of those games that seems like one of the closer, more evenly matched up games. I think if you look at both of these teams, they've had very similar seasons, even very similar personnel, and I've, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but also have similar different positions and scenarios on both sides of the ball as far as just different personnel things they have to weigh out and at the quarterback position on the defensive side of the ball. So just excited to watch two teams that I feel like are very evenly matched that will probably take this game all the way down to the wire to the fourth quarter in this Lending Tree Bowl. Let's hope so. That would be a lot of fun if that comes true. Uh, This Lending Tree Bowl, Caden, will be the 24th time that this game is played when Southern Miss and Rice take the field at Hancock-Whitney Stadium on Saturday. A Sunbelt school has been represented in 10 of the last 11 bowl matchups. And now as we get you set for Saturday's matchup, we spoke with Lending Tree Bowl president Jerry Silverstein, who plays an integral part in putting on one of the premier college football bowls each season. In this interview that you're about to hear, Jerry talks about the bowl selection process, which I particularly found interesting. He's going to highlight the economic and community impacts of the bowl while also speaking about the bowl's continued relationship with the Sunbelt Conference. You're going to really enjoy this interview with Lending Tree Bowl president Jerry Silverstein. Jerry, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you guys have the bowl on Saturday, but appreciate you making some time to talk with Caden and I. No problem. Enjoy. I would absolutely enjoy talking with you. Well, good. We're excited about this game. And, you know, we wanted to take a step back and give a little bit of a history lesson to our listeners. And ultimately, this bowl was started all the way back in 1999 as the Mobile Alabama Bowl. It's kind of gone through several iterations in terms of sponsorships. Uh, but Saturday is going to be the 24th playing of this game. Just wanted to ask you from your perspective, what has this game meant to the city of Mobile, Alabama? Well, it's been a, a real economic impact for the city. When we put this bowl together in 1999, it was about, you know, what, what can we do around Christmas time for employees and, and staff and um, people with the hotels uh, uh, to have something to do to raise, get some more extra Christmas money and, and be able to uh, have, you know, enjoy themselves a little bit better and do a little bit more for them. So bringing the, this game to Mobile with the out-of-town fans that come, with the teams that come, they spend four nights here, the band spend two nights here, you know, allows the hotels to do extra revenue during a time that's usually, you know, not so busy during the Christmas holidays. Now, Jerry, in 2010, Troy was selected as a replacement after the ACC failed to reach nine bowl-eligible teams. And then from that point forward, kind of, the relationship with the Sunbelt sprung and now the Sunbelt team has played in the last 11 of these games. What has made that partnership with the Sunbelt conference so special with this bowl game? Well, we put that partnership together with Wright Waters when he was the commissioner. We were the second bowl game for the Sunbelt. New Orleans was the the first bowl game that they had there. Um, When Wright was there, he came over, visited Mobile before we put that together. We helped them put it together. Some of their, uh, the base operation of what they're doing events, how to entertain, what to do, what to expect. Even though they had the Sugar Bowl, it was through the the Difference New Orleans um, uh, Sports Commission, I guess, was handling that over there. 
Um, you know, our, our relationship's been very good with the Sun Belt. We, we had some opportunities to expand to, say, the ACC. Um, we never did have any opportunities with the SEC. We just didn't have a large enough stadium at the time to make the economics work out of it. Um, but we, we chose to stay with the Sun Belt and at that time, the Mid-American Conference, and uh, to have upper teams there. And that was our, our uh, mode of operation. And, you know, it, it's worked out well. We've had good competitive games. We've had exciting games. We've had a lot of offense in our games. We've had a lot of players going to the NFL. Um, and we've had a lot of, um, you know, great times here in Mobile. Yeah, that's that's exciting, you know, to have these bowl partnerships and how much it means to these cities. Um, you know, last year, Jerry, was the first time that the bowl was played at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. I've been to the old Lad Peebles uh, in years prior, and we just wanted to ask, why has that uh, that partnership with the University of South Alabama been such a sh- good strategic partnership for the bowl? Well, you know, obviously the stadium, number one. You know, the technology that they have there, the, uh, the newness of it, the... Uh, facilities themselves, you know, what they have to offer versus the older stadium, Allied Stadium. Uh, it's uh, with South Alabama playing football. They have some athletic facilities, whether they have their indoor or outdoor facility. Um, they have meeting rooms. They have other other things for us to, to, you know, that they allow us to use if we want to u- use them with the teams that visit. So, you know, with that and South Alabama being in the Sun Belt, it, it creates a good relationship. And the athletic director, over there uh, has, done, has done very very well with us, Joel Erdman, and has been worked very, very well with the bowl game, and we have a really good relationship. Let's talk about this year's matchup, Jerry. It features Southern, Southern Miss and Rice, and I know a lot of people in our listeners are probably curious how these matchups get curated and picked. Could you maybe pull back the curtain to our listeners and explain the selection process and how we got to these two teams featured in the Lending Tree Bowl this year? Sure. Uh, we have a, our con- conference contracts, or we have one conference contract with the Sun Belt, on one side of the game. And the other side of the game, we have a contract with ESPN. Uh, we used to have one with the Mid-American Conference or with Conference USA. And all. Well, ESPN owns 18 bowl games. So they try to regionally move their teams around to make the most sense and the best matchups they can for each city. So we might get a team from Conference USA. We might get a team from the MAC. You know, who knows, maybe a team from the AAC, just just depending on, on, on what's out there, um, you know, with uh, Southern Miss becoming bowl eligible, being 90 miles away from Mobile, they haven't been to a bowl game, you know, in several years. When our selection came up, it was the team available for us that, that we thought would do do the best in the city of Mobile as far as bringing people and, and you know, to our city, to the stadium, fans and, and you know, student athletes, you know, to here. On the other side, we um, did not fill with the ESPN because uh, there was one team short in the six and six rotation. So the NCA has a rule that uh, there is the, the, under the APR, they, they can take, um, there's a list of, of schools that, that rank you know, all the way from one to 130. Uh, the number one school in the APR that was not attending the bowl game was Rice. The number two team was UNLV and the number three team was Auburn. And at one time there were three openings, but Buffalo won their game that took one and the second opening was filled with New Mexico State when uh, they got a waiver, you know, for their, their game because uh, they weren't able to play one of their games. So it left Rice. Uh, Rice being from Houston is about seven-hour drive from Mobile. Uh, people come this way all the time going to the beach, going to northwest Florida, going to Gulf Shores, Alabama, you know, in, in our area, and uh, spoke with them. They were excited about coming. They wanted to come, and 
I think the two teams match up pretty well, you know, and that's what we look at, look for a lot on, on the field, the matchup. Yeah, the matchup's obviously important, and then I think, like you mentioned, too, just being able to have it in close proximity to where the schools are to perhaps increase the attendance at these games. Uh, Jerry, I don't know if you remember this. I know you've been working around the bowl for a while, but Caden was actually named the special teams MVP of the then Dollar General Bowl in 2017. Um, being a former athlete, he's told me that there are always special activities, gifts for the players. Uh, what does the bowl have planned uh, this year for the, the athletes from Southern Miss and Rice? Well, we'll have several events. Uh, one is we're going to have a beach day, which is new this year. We're going to um, uh, go down to Dolphin Island, let the guys experience the beach. It's kind of different that we got two teams from the Gulf Coast, but usually you have a team from you know the Mid-American Conference or somewhere that's just not in the beach community. Um, they'll, they'll have a beach time. There's an estuarium. There's the University of South Alabama has a marine science uh, program and aquarium and, and marine life down there. And there are forts from the Civil War. There's Fort Morgan and there's Fort Gaines. Um, and from the Battle of Mobile Bay, I don't know if you listeners uh, remember the, the phrase, uh, damn the torpedoes, Admiral Farragut. But that's where that happened there. So they get to tour a, a, a fort that's uh, been, re- uh, been renovated and and brought back to its condition and uh, you know, read about the war and, and learn some history. We have a uh, USS Alabama, which is a World War II battleship uh, and a submarine that they, they'll get to tour. We uh, will have their in their gift situation. We'll, we'll do a, a reception with them and I have what we call a gift suite. So each player gets so many points and their gifts that are normal, they can pick out what they want instead of us just assigning them like we probably did with you, Caden. You know, uh, here's your here's your gift pack. They'll, they'll be able to, uh, to you know, expand that and buy gifts for, for their family, for their wives, for their girlfriends, and, and for themselves. And um, we'll also have a game show. Um, it's sort of like a family feud. We bring in a professional setup, and they get both teams to go against each other in a family feud-type uh, situation. We get a couple of coaches up there, and they'll. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, to do that. And then we have our big event where we conclude our Mardi Gras parade. Uh, Mobile was the founder of Mardi Gras. Everybody thinks it's New Orleans, but it started in Mobile uh, back back in the day. Uh, our Mardi Gras is a little bit different than New Orleans, a little bit more family-oriented. But we, we have about 24 floats and bands and, and uh, additional to that, and the college bands march in it. We have high school bands that are in it, and you know uh, beads and moon pies and candy and you know things are thrown, stuffed animals are thrown to the crowd, and it's a really big time if no, you know, nobody's ever experienced a Mardi Gras parade to come down to that. After that, we have fireworks. We have our street party. We have our um, our schools who have their pep rallies. You know, so we have a, a week full of events. Well, Jerry, I can speak firsthand to that Mardi Gras parade. I know me and my family and some people that were down there remember that being a great time and one of our favorite moments of it. But you talked a little bit before about the economic impact of this bowl game specifically to Mobile. Could you talk a little bit more about that, maybe how it's evolved from 1999 to now, and maybe could you even quantify some of the economic impact that this bowl game specifically has had on this city? The last economic impact study that w- that we had done in the bowl that was a professional study uh, had it about $23 million. We think it's increased uh, from that point uh, forward. We Our, our fans and uh, the events and and the things that go on in the city with, that are attended by other people just seem to increase. So, you know, we're very happy with the economic impact. The city of Mobile is a big sponsor of ours in the county, Mobile County, and uh, they look for return on their investment. You know, hotel tax, uh, that rent-a-car tax and, and things like that contribute to it. 
you know, sales tax, restaurants, and so forth, all contribute back to the city coffers. And um, what the exposure that we get on ESPN, what we get in almost every newspaper and, and social media around the country for the, our score and our game, not only during uh, bowl week, um, but also year-round with, uh, you know, the prog- uh, prognostication of, of who's going where, the different uh, guesses that the sports writers write. So, you know, we're mentioned in a lot of articles and, and, and uh, it has a lot of exposure for the city of Mobile. I think that's a, a funny point you make there about the prognosticators and guessing bowl matchups because Caden and I always wonder what's the point of that. But I think there obviously is some sort of an impact of talking about Mobile. Uh, Jerry, I also wanted to give you an opportunity just to talk about your current sponsorship with Lending Tree. Uh, it was recently announced that they're going to be giving about $40,000 to the city of Mobile through different community grants. Uh, can you speak to just uh, the partnership with Lending Tree with the bowl in its current iteration? Yes, we've, we've had a really good relationship with Linden Tree. Um, Linden Tr- most of our title sponsors um, are not that well known when they've come to us, but by the time you know, they get the numbers and their, their, their information back of, of the, how, how deep they've gotten into uh, the, the market as far as uh, recognition of their name, um, when we first had GoDaddy, people like, who's GoDaddy? You know, there were people who knew, the techies knew who they were, but in general, population didn't. And, you know, they received they, they got about 86, 87 percent market penetration and we had them for five years and they just decided that they were going to go into open wheel racing internationally is what they moved their money to. And then look at Dollar General. I mean, look how many stores there are out there now. And that was a partnership with Coca-Cola. And now we have a partnership with Lending Tree and they're a publicly traded company. Um, they, they give back to the community. Yes, we're given uh, 10 uh, for ten thousand dollar awards to uh, minority businesses that uh, was uh, that were solicited by the, the Chamber of Commerce, um, by the other members of the city and, uh, you know, applied for it and, and, and they were selected, the, the four that were selected will be awarded. We uh, also do uh, extra yards for teachers, which is college football playoff. There's about $21,000 that goes there. We do an art program where we give money back to the schools. Um, we do a reading program and spelling bee um, that there's also money that goes back into the school system. And we also have a, a, a nonprofit uh, program called Team Focus. And it was started by Mike and Mickey Godfrey right after our bowl game in 1999. And it's, a, it's about boys without fathers. And it's uh, turned into a, a, a national program that has sponsors all over the country. Well, there was you know people from Mobile like Jake Pevian when he was in San uh, San Diego, um, you know uh, Coach Calipari in Kentucky. Uh, we have uh, another sponsor in Las Vegas for another camp. We have some in Ohio. We have Urban Meyer that helps with it. Um, we have a big big program up there. Mike's from Ohio, so it's a big program, and and that's gone on. And it's probably about four thousand boys who've gone through that, and it's um it's a mentoring program that teaches them, you know about um, how to study with teachers, uh, teaches them etiquette, etiquette such as, you know, what a knife, you know, in a place, placement of a knife setting and a place setting is and how to tie a tie. And we have profession, professional people come in and teach them how to do an interview for some of the older ones. And, um, you know, just uh, some of these kids that are late in high school who just even go get a, a job or aren't nervous about an interview because of what they've been through. And the, the feedback comes back to us very well, how, how well-mannered these kids are. And um, it's just been a great program for us to do. 
Jerry, it's great to hear some of that community outreach aspect of the bowl game. I know there's always a charitable or volunteer aspect that the players are involved with too. So it's always great to hear and great to shed light on. Last thing, we're going to talk a lot more about this bowl game on this podcast and get into the nitty gritty football details, but we can't let you go without making a prediction. Who do you think is going to win this matchup between Southern Miss and Rice coming up here in this Lending Tree Bowl? Well, that's um, that's kind of hard to say. I've, I've seen things go back, back and forth and the team that shows up and the team that wants to win is going to win. Plays the best football. <laughs> well, I think that was the uh, the perfect non-answer right there. So we'll definitely have to wait and see uh, which team comes out on top on Saturday. But Jerry, thanks so much for taking uh, your time. Did want to give a quick shout out to our mutual friend, J.D. Byers, for helping set this up. Uh, but thanks for your time and looking forward to watching the game on Saturday. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, Caden. Okay, and that was some great perspective there from Jerry Silverstein. Most time you don't get that type of perspective, but he really went into that selection process of the for the bowl, which I found really interesting. And then it was neat to hear the economic impact, but also the impact on the community that the Lending Tree Bowl is having in the city of Mobile. Yeah, and everyone knows on this podcast, we obviously like to chop it up about the X's and O's on football and really get down into that. But I think it was, I have to give a shout out to you, Noah, for getting this guest. I mean, this is something that's different. I think it's a nice change of pace for our listeners. I know it was for me, just seeing kind of behind the scenes of how this bowl process works, how the selection works, and really just diving into how deep it really means for these communities, for these players, for everyone surrounding it. I know bowl games for me have always been special, but it's nice to hear it coming from someone who clearly values it a lot and cares about this Lending Tree Bowl coming up here a ton. I think my favorite part of that interview, Caden, was you getting to relive some fantastic memories, kind of the start of what turned into a fantastic career. You were at one point the special teams MVP of this game, and we got to talk with Jerry about that. Yeah, you love to bring up my glory days a little bit more than I do. But no, it was a fun memory in that game. We played Toledo, got a forced fumble on the kickoff and, and got a big surprise having to get rewarded that, that that special teams MVP. I didn't even really gave that out, which shout out to Jerry and the bowl committee. I think the more awards and different people you can make feel special in games like this. I mean, I was a redshirt freshman. I had no idea I'd walk away that season at all with any type of hardware, any type of individual award. So I know that's something I care about, but we'll definitely have to talk about why we didn't have a beach party in the past at that bowl game, because that's definitely one of the many new additions. It sounds like they have that are super exciting for these players playing in this game. Yeah. I got to admit hearing all those great things that they have planned. I wanted to go down to the game. We're not going to get a chance to go this year, but maybe in future years, Kane, let's jump in and talk about this lending tree bowl. It's going to be Saturday, December 17th at five 45 Eastern on ESPN. As I mentioned earlier, Southern miss coming in a six and a half point favorite in this game, the over under at 46 and a half. So it feels like Vegas thinks it's going to be a tight, low scoring game, uh, which could be a lot of fun in this matchup. Kane, here's a couple of notes about this game. These two teams are former Conference USA foes. Rice and Southern Miss have now played in every year since 2014. Uh, Southern Miss is actually going to be making their third appearance in the Lending Tree Bowl or the Mobile Alabama Bowl. Uh, they defeated TCU all the way back in 2000 and actually the second time this bowl was ever played. And then they took down Ohio in 2007. Okay, and this is great for Rice. This is actually going to be their first bowl appearance since 2014. They enter with that five and sec seven record, um, but they had that top APR score. And so they were the team that was chosen because we didn't get to the 82 number for bowls. So a great opportunity here for the Rice Owls. 
Yeah, shout out to Rice. We talked about it in the in the bowl preview. Huge for the, of them to make it to this bowl game, being that they are a five-win team and really taking care of business outside of the classroom. They had a rough schedule, even if you look at the back end of their season. They had to play Western Kentucky, who we know is a perennial top dog in that conference. UTSA, who is, again, the conference championship winner of that conference. And then a North Texas team that was in that conference USA championship game with UTSA. So they lost their quarterback, their starting quarterback in that game with TJ McMahon going down against Western Kentucky. So they kind of have been in a little bit of a frenzy situation right now. Their offense clearly doesn't look the same and their defense has been going up, like we said, against some of the top offenses in the conference. So very curious to see how this team is going to have to rally, going to have to get that winning way back to them It's first time being in a bowl game in a long time, so it's definitely going to be a little bit heightened for this team, a little bit more of a big deal for them. But I'm definitely looking forward to them going up against this Southern Miss team that we've talked about all season, being super frisky, having some problems at the quarterback position from time and time again as well, but leading on that defense all year to really get them to the stage too. Kane, you've mentioned it a couple of times for each side, but uh, let's talk about that quarterback situation. You mentioned for Rice Jr., TJ McMahon, uh, went down with an injury against Western Kentucky a couple weeks ago. And we're going to see Rice freshman A.J. Padgett get the start in this game. Meanwhile, for Southern Miss, if you've listened to this podcast all year long, we have talked about uh, the quarterback position for Southern Miss. It feels like all season long, they're going to go with redshirt junior Trey Lowe in this game, who comes in 795 yards of passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions on the season. Caden, if there was a position in this game that had a giant question mark next to it, it would be the quarterback position for both sides. 100%. And I think in this matchup, both of these teams, if you look at their styles of play and how they've been winning all year, they haven't really been leaning into the quarterback position. But if you look at Rice, they definitely have been. They have a couple games where they're having those 30-plus point outings, the 40-plus point outings. But now that's kind of been erased from their offensive attack. You look at them, they even had a running back go down this year and the injury there. And it just seems like this team hasn't really exactly been the same. So if you're Southern Miss, you have to take advantage of a freshman quarterback playing in this game, have to make it as hard as you can on him. And on the other side of the ball for Rice's defense going up against Trey Lowe in this one, he's been playing consistent throughout the back end of the season. Kind of a hit or miss situation on the offensive side of the ball as far as getting the ball in the end zone versus not. But he hasn't really been turning the ball over too much lately. And I think that the more explosive plays he can make in this game, the better it will be. This Rice defense is not a bad one. They are very good at stopping the pass and do what they have to do in the run game. But they are not that good at stopping explosive plays. So I think if Trey Lowe can get some explosive plays in the end zone to some of these receivers, that'll be huge for this team. And same against, same with Rice really going against the Southern Miss team that doesn't give up a whole lot of touchdowns either. Okay, this is a huge opportunity for Trey Lowe. He's the third different starter this year. We saw Ty Keyes early on in the season. He got injured, and Zach Wilkie started a majority, and now Lowe has taken over. I'm on the record of saying that Southern missed their quarterback for next year is not on the roster, but this is a big opportunity for Trey Lowe here to perhaps build on a strong end to the season and perhaps try to solidify himself as that starter moving into next year. Yeah, this is a big game for Trello. I think when you look at that quarterback carousel that they've been running in Southern Miss, it's been very hit or miss, haven't seen a whole lot of consistency, and now he has the opportunity to kind of be the lasting impression if he has a good one of this team, you know, the quarterback position for Southern Miss could look like moving forward. I like for this team into this game to really kind of lean into their their strengths, and I think that if they can run the ball well and play good defense, that'll definitely help Trello out a ton but I think when you look at the Southern Miss team and the some of the best quarterback play we've seen from them all season it wasn't that 39 to 24 win over Louisiana in that game 
Zach Wilkie wasn't really asked to do much. He only threw the ball 16 times. When he did, he was hitting explosive plays to a Jason Brownlee, to a Ty Mims, who even caught a pass in that game from Frank Gore Jr. Maybe hit, get him throwing the ball a little bit in this one too. Just keep this Rice defense. Exactly. Just keep this Rice defense on their toes as much as you can. And if you're playing around Trey Lowe in this one, you can help him out a ton by making some plays yourself. But I think if he's not asked to do much in this game because everyone around him in the defense is showing up big, he might be able to make a big impact on this game and maybe a big impression on those coaches and players and everyone on the staff moving forward this offseason. Hey, we all know the mantra, what have you done for me lately? And that will be what Trey Lowe will try to do here as he heads into the offseason. Meanwhile, Caden, you've already touched on it a little bit, the running back situation by both teams. And after Ari Broussard went down at the end of October for Rice, we've seen them kind of go running back by committee, a mix of Cameron Montgomery, Juma Oteviano. I practiced that a few times. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, They've combined for 900 yards rushing and a touchdown, but for Southern Miss, it's a different story. It is a featured back type of situation. Frank Gore Jr., one of four running backs in the Sun Belt this year with over 1,000 yards rushing for the first time in his career. He's responsible, Caden, for 10 touchdowns this season, seven rushing, three passing. He's had a big year, and if Southern Miss wants to win this game, they're going to need to lean on RB1. Yeah, and he has a ton of responsibility to this team as far as their production and wins and losses, if you really look at this entire season. I mean, the better that Frank Gore Jr. plays, the better this team is. And even when they don't play very well and they do get on the board once or twice, it's usually because of Frank Gore Jr. So I think there's a lot on his plate in this game to perform. Like I said before, the better he plays, the better Trey Lowe will be and the more comfortable this team overall will be just at really controlling the clock and being able to play within their own style of play. So Frank's going to do what he does, I think. Everyone in the Sunbelt Conference now week after week has high expectations for him going into games like this. And I don't think it's no different with this Rice game. And you look at Rice's side of the ball, they do ha- did lose a running back in this season they had and had a really big injury to him. And now they're going with more of the committee approach. And I think with that, it's been kind of hit or miss when you add that with their quarterback injury history they've had as well recently. I think for them, they're going to have to rally on a committee of guys in the backfield like they've been doing the last three weeks. It hasn't very much been successful for them. And I think even in a lot of those games, you see the quarterback position getting a lot more rushes. And that's probably because they're they're running for their life. It's not because they're running design quarterback runs. It's because they're trying to avoid pressure and get what they can. And the good thing for Southern Miss is that they are the sack leading team in this conference coming into this game. No one gets after the quarterback better in the symbol than them. So I think if they can even apply some pressure on the quarterback, make them get a couple more carries versus their running backs in this game, that'll also bode well for them. Yeah, Caden, a great point there because with the exception of the position group we're about to talk about, the wide receivers, there is a lot of question marks on this Rice offense, uh, but there aren't many at the wide receiver position. Bradley Rosner, Luke McCaffrey, the younger brother of NFL standout Christian McCaffrey, those two have combined for... 15 touchdowns this year, nearly 1,500 yards. And Jason Brownlee, don't look now, third-team All-Sun Belt Conference. You could make the argument that maybe he was a second-teamer in the league this year. 52 catches, 819 yards, and seven touchdowns. Caden, I'm really excited to watch the wide receivers in this game. If the quarterbacks can get them the football, I think that they have the ability to really make a difference in this contest. Yeah, and that's definitely a big if. You talk about both of these teams, you would think both of the wide receiver talent on these teams could kind of be elevated with some better quarterback play. I mean, it's a frustrating position. I used to play wide receiver, and that's kind of why I switched to defense so I can take matters into my own hands. And I also wasn't the most athletic moving forward, but we'll talk about that another time. But no, you talk about Rice. They do have a good duo of wide receivers. 
Luke McCaffrey had an amazing game. I remember when they played Louisiana and beat Louisiana earlier in this season when they were have struggles. And Bradley Rosner for Rice as well is a big target. He's like 6'4", and I think he can make some big plays. He is not necessarily the leading catch guy on this team, but you can tell with his yardage numbers and his touchdown numbers, he's a big play guy for this team. And I think he'll be able to help out the quarterback in this one in A.J. Padgett if he can get things going on the offensive side of the ball with his arm. It's going to be through those guys. And you talk about it with Trey Lowe and the wide receivers for Southern Miss too. You look at this unit, they've been talented all year and they've really only been called upon for these big time shot plays down the field because their running game is such so much of their bread and butter. But I think you look at Jason Brownlee and Ty Mims in these last couple of weeks, they have seemed to have gotten a rhythm going with Trey Lowe. I think when you look at the South Alabama game for Jason Brownlee, he has seven catches, 100 yards and a touchdown on that one. That's one of his better performances of the year. And I think that through this bowl game prep they have. They have a very long time from when their season ended to now. A big opportunity for Trey Lowe to get in rhythm with those receivers. And I think the better that they can play against the secondary, that is a good unit that in Conference USA is holding teams to the second least amount of passing yards in the air. But if they can get some big plays and get those guys going, I'll definitely be big in this matchup. Caden, you it feels like you want to talk about the defensive side of the football, so I'm going to uh, make that wish and grant it here. Let's talk about the ability of Southern Miss and Rice to both get to the quarterback. We've seen Southern Miss average about 2.7 sacks per game when you do the average out. Uh, Rice is sitting at about 2.5 sacks per game. Southern Miss comes in. They're actually a top-six team in the country at getting to opposing teams' quarterbacks, and you have to imagine in this game that who gets to the quarterback more might end up being the team that walks away with the victory. And we talk about it, both of the quarterbacks that will be starting and featured in this game are either young or just have a little bit less experience than the average quarterback you're seeing. So the protection of these guys matters a ton. And I think whichever quarterback might not necessarily come down to how great they can play. Could it be a matter of how comfortable they are to make big plays in this game? If those guys that have the ball in their hands have that countdown clock in their head where they're getting to two, three, four seconds and it starts getting earlier and earlier because they know that pressure is getting to them. That could definitely have a huge impact on this game. And you talked about it. No team in the Sun Belt had more sacks this season than Southern Miss. They had 39 on the season. And I think one of the more interesting parts of that is that they've done it with 17 different guys getting in the backfield. They'll blitz safeties, they'll blitz corners, they'll blitz linebackers, and their edge rushers will get that pressure on. So I think when you look at this team going up against a freshman quarterback, you have to use all those exotic blitzes that you've been using all year. Get as many people involved, get as many different blockers, having to get hands on guys as you can. And I think that'll be great for this Southern Miss defense. And same on the flip side, you look at Rice and they're pretty good at getting to the um, quarterback as well. And I think the more they can get to Trey Lowe, the more uncomfortable he'll be. And that could be a huge key of this game as well. Okay, and just a quick correction there. James Madison has entered the chat. They actually, uh, I believe, have 39 sacks this year. Actually, 38. Troy has 39, but did, wanted to give them their flowers. We don't need any James Madison fans on our bad side here, but... Um, just wanted to make that quick correction. Um, one other thing, you know, really in this game, both of these teams, obviously their defenses, I think, have been the calling cards. Uh, Rice featured a top three defense in CUSA this year. You mentioned how good they were against the pass. Southern Miss, really, they kind of ran the Sun Belt in terms of counting stats. They were tied for the lead in sacks, led in interceptions, and they're top five in the nation in TFLs this year. This was one of the Sun Belt's best defenses this year, and I would expect to see that in the bowl game. Yeah, I mean, the conference leader in interceptions is always a cool thing to have as a secondary. So I know this Southern Miss team will be moving with different kind of confidence and swag, knowing that they ended this season having the most interceptions in their conference. And I feel like you look at guys like Jay Stanley and Malik Shorts, the two offense or defensive players that are all conference guys for this Southern Miss team, he's going to have to step up 
both of those guys are going to have to step up big in this game. I think there's a lot of expectations as far as what you expect from your secondary unit in these bowl games playing against different offenses. You might see some trickery and things like that. But the more these guys can stay over the top and limit explosive plays, the better off Southern Miss will be. And they've done a great job of that all season. And I think when you look at Rice, they do have a great secondary. They have great pieces from the corner and safety position, but they have given up explosive plays. And I think some of that is a product of some of these teams you see in Conference USA is like the Western Kentuckys that you see, the UTSAs that you see that are every now and then just going to get those explosive deep balls by your secondary just because of the scheme and how many times they throw the ball. But I do think they're going to have a little bit less pressure in this game when you look at the style of offense that Southern Miss runs. So I think it will be a great secondary battle. And there's really a lot of potential for both sides of the ball to clamp down and really limit explosive plays in this game and maybe make a difference by getting their hands on some turnovers too. Caden, every time you talk about a CUSA team getting deep balls over the top of your secondary, it feels personal. Is uh, there some poor <laughs> memories in your mind about CUSA teams getting deep balls over the top of your defense? That we'll save for another episode. But Caden, uh, you've talked about it so many times this year about you know teams that learn how to win, and this is a Southern Miss team. They've learned how to win tight games. Three wins of in games of six points or fewer. They're three and three in games decided by seven points or fewer this year. If this game is a close game, which I think both you and I expect, Southern Miss might have the advantage. Yeah, and you look at Southern Miss, they really took it down to the wire when you look at the regular season and making a bowl game. They had four weeks left in the season and just needed to get one win, and they went on to lose three straight games and then pull out the clutch win over ULM to end the season. So I think you look at this Southern Miss team, they're built for close games. They got a little bit better at that trait and that attribute that I've talked about all season of just strictly winning football games. And I think playing win, winning football is a, a brand name thing of its own and a different unique skill that your team has to win. And I think they've kind of found that within themselves. They know that if their defense plays well and they run the ball, they can probably win any game they play. And you saw that when they played Tulane and won. You saw that when they kept the Miami game close at the beginning of the season. So I think this team kind of has a little bit of confidence in themselves. They know that they can pull out wins. And I think that kind of it goes in the opposite direction of what Rice has going on. I mean, this is a team that didn't technically get to that six-win mark and then with some injuries now sees themselves lose their last three games. So they're trying to really regain some momentum. And I think that that's something that's going to be in Southern Miss's advantage in this one is just they have one more win than this, this other team has heading into this game. And little things like that matter as far as the psyche when you have a lot of time between your game. You have a bowl week with a lot of fun activities like we were talking about. But Rice not being as accustomed to winning as the Southern Miss team could play an impact in this game for sure when you just look at the psyche and mental aspect of this game. Hey, we'll see how it goes. Thankfully for Southern Miss, there's not a Bailey Zappi on the other side of the football in this game. Um, but that will do it for our Lending Tree Bowl preview episode on the Prairie and Smith podcast. We'd like to say a special thank you to Lending Tree Bowl President Jerry Silverstein for helping make this episode possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another bowl preview on Friday where we'll preview the upcoming Myrtle Beach Bowl between Marshall and UConn. Caden, we've got some excellent guests lined up, uh, so you're going to want to tune in for that one. That game's going to take place on December 19th in Conway, South Carolina. want to thank you so much for listening today. We both enjoyed this episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast and certainly hope you did too. If you did, take a moment, subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you'll never miss an episode. Also, if you like today's show, take a moment and tell us what you liked by leaving a quick review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. Those both really help us out. Finally, if you still haven't, follow the show on Twitter at Prairie and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. You won't regret it. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>